your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Your boy Q here off top. Want to thank everyone for making the Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find this show, the Lockdown Raiders podcast, free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is being brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. Got to give a big thank you to our friends at McDonald's. McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And uh, since today is November 11th, Thursday, November 11th, I'd like to thank all the veterans out there. It is Veterans Day, so uh, I don't know if you're taking the day off from work, if you're relaxing, whatever you're doing, just take a, th- a second to realize what today is and what it means. Again, it's Veterans Day, so uh, I say it on the show all the time. We can never thank our veterans. We can never thank our active military enough for everything that they do for us on the daily and allow guys like me to be able to do things like this. You know I mean? It's just uh, it's an incredible sacrifice that they give. And I just want to make sure that we uh, recognize that and show a little bit of love before we get into anything else. uh, Raiders related, football related, anything. Just make sure we show that love on Veterans Day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I salute you. And again, we can never thank you uh, enough. And again, today is Thursday, so that means it's Crossover Thursday. And if you're just now tuning in, it's the first Thursday that you've ever tuned into. That's okay. We appreciate you for being along for the ride. Crossover Thursday is the next team that's up on the schedule. Uh, I get together with the host of that show on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we talk about the game. We talk about the team, and we break it down. So the Chiefs are the next team up on the schedule. So Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs, will join the show. And we'll talk all things Chiefs, all things Raiders. Matter of fact, segment number two, and segment number three, we're going to talk all things Chiefs. I've been doing that uh, quite a bit lately where the host just really gets into a deep dive of the opposing team. I mean, we talk Raiders here every single day. So we as Raider fans and as the host of the Lockdown Raiders show, we kind of know what to expect from the silver and black, right? So let's find out about the other side of things. So we're going to talk all things Chiefs with Chris Clark. He'll join the show coming up in segment number two and segment number three. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day as I always do. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. On Wednesday, the Raiders made official some roster moves. They elevated defensive tackle Kendall Vickers to the 53-man roster. He was on the practice squad. He's played in 16 games with two starts for the Raiders. He's had 10 tackles, five solo, and two sacks in a corresponding move because, of course, they had to make some kind of move. They're going to put someone on the active roster. Someone's got to be moved off the active roster. So that's what they did in a corresponding move. They put defensive tackle Darius Phylon on the reserve injured list. And Darius Phylon, that's a loss, man. That's a big loss. He's going to be out a few weeks at least. That's what interim head coach Rich Basaccia said on Wednesday. And he's been playing well. You know, he came up with that fumble recovery on Sunday against the Giants after Unique Ngakwe had caused the fumble on Daniel Jones. Phylon came up with it, but he injured his ankle at the end of the game and uh, he was carted off. And so he's going to be out at least three weeks as he is on injured reserve. And then 
then the Raiders also signed a wide receiver to the team's practice squad, uh, Jeff Baddett. He's a guy that's hovered around the NFL for some time now since 2018. Minnesota Vikings signed as an undrafted free agent, played in a handful of preseason games, played for the Washington football team in 2020, but really has never had any opportunity to get into some real deal NFL action. Falcons uh, earlier this year with the practice squad, and now he's with the Raiders on the practice squad. So he's a speedster. That's what I do know about him is he's got some blazing speed. And of course, uh, the Raiders lost their speedster in Henry Ruggs. And so a lot of folks are excited about what he could bring to the table. But remember, he's a young dude with no real NFL experience. So uh, he's a practice squad guy. Expect him to be a guy that maybe the Raiders can help develop, but he's not a guy that you're going to see any action from anytime soon. But they did sign a practice squad wide receiver that has a lot of speed in Jeff Baddett. Also, the Raiders themselves were back on the practice field on Wednesday. And after practice, uh, interim head coach Rich Basaccia, he met with the media. Derek Carr met with the media. Quentin Jefferson met with the media. And new Raider wide receiver Deshaun Jackson also met with the media. So what I want to do right here is bring you a little bit of that sound from both Rich Basaccia and new wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. So uh, a couple little sound bites from Basaccia. Uh, the first one is on Trayvon Mullen. He's been out for a while. They put him on IR. He's a defensive back that the Raiders could really use back. And so a lot of people have been hitting me up. Q, what's the latest on Mullen? What's the latest on Mullen? Well, here's Rich Basaccia on Trayvon Mullen. When you can expect him to be back in action? Well, we think Trayvon's a little bit closer than Richie. We're hoping that we can get him hopefully to practice maybe the Dallas week and then play the next week. We have that, that short week in there through Thanksgiving, but he's been doing much better um, day by day in, in here. So quick, short, to the point, Rich Basacci on Trayvon Mullen. And I don't know if you caught it there, but he said he'll, he's expected back quicker than Rich, Richie Incognito. And the only reason I say that is because I've been talking all season long that I would be shocked to see Richie Incognito ever get into action. And I just don't see it happening. Uh, not that I'm rooting against the guy. I just don't see it happening. He's 38. He's coming off an Achilles injury. He's dealing with a calf injury, which if you know anatomy, it's all kind of related to he's the same thing. It all goes back to the same thing. And it's just not ideal so I, I don't think we'll see Richie Incognito anytime soon but maybe around Thanksgiving you'll see Trayvon Mullen back in the mix and so the next team up on the schedule for the Silver and Black is the Kansas City Chiefs and of course they haven't had the season that anyone expected them to have they're sitting there at five and four right now so uh, Rich Basaccio was kind of asked about that struggle that the Chiefs have been going through and what he sees from the five and four team. The film that we watch I know the film that Gus and Oli watch that we've talked to get about is you know the Chiefs are an explosive, fast football team with dynamic um, personnel and that they can score from any place on the field. They do a lot of different things on defense. They're extremely well coached. They're physical tackling defense. So um, what we see is a really good football team and we'll be excited to play come Sunday night. So there's Rich Basaccia right there talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and I wanted you to hear his thoughts on the Chiefs since it is the crossover edition and I'll be talking all things Chiefs coming up in segment number two and segment number three but that's that's for segment number two and three. Uh, one more soundbite from Rich Basaccia. How about Deshaun Jackson? How about on Deshaun Jackson? What were the thoughts that went into the Raiders pursuit of the free agent wide receiver? Well first he was available you know and then he can still really run um, and he's been a part of kind of He's with the Rams, so he's been a part of our offense to some degree, the verbiage, some of the terminology, some of the concepts. We thought he'd be um, well-versed with a little bit. And then we, we had a really good Zoom call with him, our offensive staff and myself had a great Zoom call with him on, on Saturday and felt that he was sincerely looking for an opportunity to keep playing and was excited about having a chance to do it with us and to play with Derek Carr. So that's kind of what brought us together at the end. So there's interim head coach Rich Basaccia talking about Deshaun Jackson right 
there. So what was Deshaun Jackson's thoughts? What were going through his mind as he was going through the free agent process? So I got a few sound bites that I want you to hear from him. He met with the media on Wednesday. It was really cool. Actually, I played the whole media session with him on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm not going to do that right here, but I do have a couple sound bites I want you to hear. And the first one is exactly that. What was the process like following his release from the Rams? What led him to joining the Raiders? Honestly, man, after after I got released, um, was it like two weeks ago, I kind of was really just reflecting, sitting back, reflecting. Um, didn't really rush to make any decisions. Just really wanted to see, um, you know, the best situation to fit me. And, uh, you know, once I f- uh, finally clear waivers, um, obviously my agent, you know, had a few teams, you know, that was very interested. And, um, you know, for me, just more like I was interested in a playoff contender. You know, I wanted to go somewhere to a, a winning culture and had a chance to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, kind of narrow it down to a few teams and, um, you know, just being an L.A. guy, being, you know, close to home, you know, the weather, you know, all that good stuff. I like, man, I didn't want to go nowhere cold. And, you know, I just felt like the, the, the Raiders fit, um, you know, match perfect. So that's kind of how, you know, it got intrigued on my end. So he wanted to go to a team that had a chance to make the playoffs. Check. The Raiders have that. Uh, he's a West Coast guy, L.A. I actually mentioned that about last week on the podcast, that that was one of the reasons I thought he was going to sign with the Raiders is he's a West Coast dude, so he's closer to home. Uh, the weather, he talked about that. Didn't want to go somewhere cold, so check, check, check. I mean, everything is lining up. So how about Derek Carr? How much did having a veteran quarterback, how much did that play a role in his decision to sign with the Raiders? Obviously having Derek Carr, Carr at quarterback, uh, you know, I've been able to see him do some special things in his career. Obviously, um, going back to his rookie year and uh, just, man, his arm strength, you know, his big playability, his his toughness, his swagger, um, you know, his intangibles to be a quarterback. I think, you know, he has all the, the great things in a quarterback that you ask for. And, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar was, is, is a good friend of mine. You know, I played with him in Philly for a little bit. So after he left Philly, I was able to kind of see what he came here and did and uh, had a lot of success. So, you know, just really seeing that vertical threat in this offense and, you know, having that that playmaking ability for myself and, you know, obviously a quarterback that could get the ball down the field is huge because, uh, you know, there was other options out there, but, uh, you know, I was very confident in the situation that he's able to get the ball down the field. So there's Deshaun Jackson right there talking about Derek Carr, talking about Nelson Aguilar. You know, that's his good buddy, and he saw what Nelly was able to do with Derek Carr, and that played a factor. He knows that Carr can get him the ball and that he wants to get the ball, and he's going to probably want more targets than he's really going to get, and he's probably going to want to be a bigger factor than what he really is going to be, but it's good to know that he wants to be there. He's excited about the opportunity, and oh, by the way, he grew up as a Raiders fan, so the final soundbite I want you to hear from Deshaun Jackson is a about being a, a childhood fan of the silver and black and what was one of his great memories as he was growing up as a kid yeah I mean I actually think my first NFL game actually was a Raider game at the Coliseum it was actually it's crazy the Chiefs was playing the Raiders and I was on the sideline took a picture I was young I was probably like seven eight years old but um I can remember that my, my older brother used to play for the Chiefs so he had a relationship with a uh, you know the coach I don't know if it was Dick Vermeer at the time, but uh, so I was a young young guy on the sideline, and that was my first like NFL game, so it was almost like it was big for me. Ever since then, I always wanted to play in the NFL. So um, to look back now, how time, you know, changes and turns, um, you know, putting on the black and silver. So it's, it's, it's definitely gonna be special.
So pretty cool story right there from Deshaun Jackson talking about growing up as a Raiders fan in his very first game. He was on the sideline. Nice, huh? Very first game, you're on the sidelines, and it was the Raiders, and it was the Chiefs at the Coliseum. I thought that that was really cool, and now it comes full circle. His first game as a member of the Raiders is against the Kansas City Chiefs at Allegiant Stadium this Sunday night. So that was the sound bites. If you want to hear more from Deshaun Jackson, Derek Carr, Quentin Jefferson, Rich Basaccia, you can. Go check out the Raiders' YouTube page or their Periscope page, whatever you want to look at. You can Find it on Twitter if you want. Uh, you can hear the whole thing. But I thought those were some good sound bites from both Rich Basaccia and Deshaun Jackson. Now, we must turn our attention to the Kansas City Chiefs, who's the next team up on the schedule. Week 10 action, Sunday Night Football, Allegiant Stadium. So to help us do that, Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs, he's going to join us coming up in segment number two to talk all things Kansas City Chiefs and their weird season that they're having as they're sitting there at 5-4. and four. That's coming up as soon as I tell you about a couple great sponsors here on the show, including McDonald's, which is the title sponsor sponsor of the show and I'm telling you McDonald's has always been a great place to go and get some really good food. It's also been a great place to serve the community since 1965. So it's much more than just a place to get food, right? It's a place where friends and family go to reconnect. A place where classmates if they want to go study together, they can. They have dependable Wi-Fi. They have a great supply of French fries and McFlurries. I mean, it's a place that you can go after basketball practice. That's what I used to do back in the day when I was a young kid. I'd go out there and play basketball at the at the college around the corner and boom then after that go to mcdonald's and get me an egg mcmuffin or a sausage sandwich either way it's a great place to kind of recharge and refuel after a great workout or a great you know basketball game football game baseball little leaguers i see little leaguers at mcdonald's all the time again you can go by and get wi-fi you can have a party there you can have great food at a great, reasonable price. And, of course, McDonald's has always been a staple in every single community. I mean, where do you not look up and see the Golden Arches? When you see the Golden Arches, you know, boom, there it is. That's where I need to go. So right now you need to head to your local McDonald's, refuel, and reconnect. Matter of fact, why not have a Lockdown Raiders podcast watch party there? We could do that. Maybe we could do that on Sunday as we prepare for the Raiders and the Chiefs. I'm loving it. Many thanks to our good friends at McDonald's. I also want to tell you about a great app that if you drive a car, which most of us do, and you get gas, which most of us do, you need to have. It's GetUpside. All the listeners of the Lockdown Raiders podcast are making up to 25 cents per gallon of gas every time they fill up. How do you do that? Well, you download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play and do it right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. You'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get your cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. People that drive a lot, well, guess what? They're making a lot. Two, $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime in your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Again, download the free GetUpside app, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Again, the promo code is TOUCHDOWN. The app is GetUpside. Get it right now. Segment number two, crossover edition part one. It's coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. It's time to jump into part one of the crossover edition. What does that mean? Well, it's time to talk about the next team up on the schedule for the Silver and Black, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're coming to town. They'll be at Allegiant Stadium Sunday night. Prime time action. Very excited about that. So uh, what we do here is we like to break down the game. We like to talk about the next opponent. So Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs, is going to join me in this segment and segment number three to talk all 
all things Kansas City Chiefs. So our conversation, we start off talking about, well, the Chiefs are 5-4. and four, And in his opinion, what has been the biggest reason for the struggle? Why are they not playing like the Kansas City Chiefs of, well, what everyone is used to? Turnovers. You know, that's what it comes down to. Kansas City leads the league in turnovers. I still think, I believe still after week nine, didn't have any turnovers in week nine. They won the game. They did have a turnover against the Giants, uh, but they still ended up winning the game. But that's been the story. Uh, they've averaged two and a half turnovers a game. And you can't wow. win in the NFL turning the ball over that much. And Mahomes has had some that have, you know, bounced off of receivers' hands. And he's, you know, had one that bounced off a of receiver's helmet. I mean, the different stuff that, you know, in years past, it was falling to the ground and the ball wasn't bouncing that way. So, I think part of it is is that you're going to start not having some of those turnovers because I think eventually it's going to reverse. Uh, and then the other part of it is they have to just, you know, they have to hold on to the ball better. I mean, right. you have to be in a situation where if you get the ball thrown to you or you're running with the ball, you have to make sure you're not going to fumble it. And, you know, Travis Kelsey had a fumble a couple of weeks ago. Right. Holmes has fumbled a couple of times already. That is what has killed this team over and over and over again. I think that they beat the Chargers when they played the Chargers if they don't turn the ball over four times. Right. But when right. you give the Chargers three straight possessions where you turn the ball over three straight possessions, you're never going to win that game. Right. That's the that's the reality of the NFL. Right. No, you're right. And, and the Raiders turned the ball over three times against the Giants, and, well, they lost. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, you're spot on. You know, you turn the ball over, you're, you're going to – more times than not, you're going to lose the game. Now, I heard Patrick Mahomes say that at certain points in games – he starts pressing when when the team's not not playing the way that they should. He starts putting more responsibility on himself. Uh, why is that that he's pressing like that? Because it's I, to me, it feels like something he's never done in his career. It is something that he's never really done in his career. I think you look at different things this season that they've dealt with that they have in the past. I really hate going back to this, but if you look at what they had last season when it came to the offensive line, it's a completely different offensive line this year, and I think that's a big part of it. But I don't think Mahomes has trusted his protection the way he needs to. Uh, if you look at the game against the Packers, he finally started moving in the pocket as opposed to busting out and trying to run or getting clear of the pocket to be able to throw the ball. Uh, he just moved around and shifted in the pocket. So it looks like he's starting to believe in his protection. And that's a huge key. If he can believe in his protection and he can stay in the pocket, I think that they're going to be seeing very good things from him. One of the stats that is just killing Kansas City right now is he has the worst stats when you look at throws after two and a half seconds after the snap mm. it's something like uh you know his completion percentage is around 50 percent. he's got like six interceptions and four touchdowns i mean it's just it completely different than if he is throwing the ball before two and a half seconds so if he gets to the back of his drop and the ball comes out better things are happening. It's when he's holding on to the ball that he's having all these issues. Right. And one of the big priorities for the Chiefs in the offseason, uh, it wasn't really, it didn't really come about the same way the Raiders offensive line reconstruction came about. I mean, the Chiefs, they went out and made uh, a priority to change that offensive line after what happened in the Super Bowl. And yep. is, it a, is it just a matter of similar to the Raiders? They're still trying to gel. They're still trying to find themselves. Or do you see issues with that offensive line? Like maybe this isn't it. Maybe there needs to be some different talent along that O-line. I think that there's a possibility that there needs to be different talent at left tackle. Okay. Uh, I hate saying that 10 games in, or nine games into his career in Kansas City, but Orlando Brown is not – your typical left tackle that Kansas City's played with in the past. He, he's not fleet of foot. He's not a guy like Eric Fisher that can get out in space. 
and go, you know, get a linebacker 10 yards downfield. He's just not that type of, of lineman. Right. And the other problem is, is that when you put him in positions where you need a guy that can go do and pull and, and do that kind of stuff, he's failing at those. And that's partially bad coaching because you're putting him in a position to fail to begin with. So I do think that it's possible that maybe they need to look at something else for left tackle going forward. But if you look at Joe Tooney, who's played fantastic, even with a broken hand, missed I, I don't even think he missed a snap once he broke his hand. And I can't remember how long ago that was. Uh, but he broke his hand during the game and went back, got it taped up, went back in, didn't miss a single snap. Uh, Creed Humphrey has been phenomenal for this Chiefs team so far. So, you know, you look at those two guys, they're great. Trey Smith, I think, has played great. Uh, he has some learning curve things that you're going to have to deal with, but he is a man in the middle of that offensive line. I think he's doing a great job. Mike Rimmers was the starter a couple of weeks ago. He got hurt. Lucas Niang came back in as starting. Then he got hurt. Now you're looking at Andrew Wiley being your right tackle, which I don't think is a good situation for Kansas City to begin with. But I do think Lucas Niang is probably the future right tackle, at least for now. But I do think that they may be looking at another left tackle next year. So with all that being said, you know, we talked earlier about Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe. Unique is usually lined up against that left tackle. Uh, how much of a concern would that be for the Kansas City Chiefs coming into this game, knowing that Ngakwe and Crosby lead the team in sacks and total pressures? I mean, those two, that one-two punch is really productive for the Raiders. How much of a concern is that for the Chiefs? I think it's a huge concern, but I think you can also mitigate it to an extent. Okay. One of the best things you can do against a, a good pass rush is if you get the ball out on time and you have a lot of timing routes, which is what Kansas City's offense is predicated around, is quick timing routes. If they can do that, I think they'll be okay because at some point you're going to have to stop the run, which I expect Kansas City to do more of in this game. I think that they've shown that they can run the ball at least decently. It's not great, but it's decent. And I wonder if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back this week, which would also help in the running game, I think, a little right. bit. Uh but I also believe that when you start looking at, uh, you know, Crosby and Ngakwe going against the Chiefs offensive line, I don't like that matchup for Orlando Brown. I think it's a horrible matchup. Uh, if Andy Reid wants to help his player, he needs to chip him with Blake Bell or Travis Kelsey or any running back or a tight end or a wide receiver. Do something to at least give Orlando Brown a chance at times. And if you want to take a deep shot, then put somebody over there and have him block. In Gawkway on top of Orlando Brown, I think he'll be in a better position. So you mentioned the running game, and you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, what what is the shape of the running game right now? Because I know it's been weeks on top of weeks on top of weeks. You hear analysts here, analysts there say, "Hey, other teams are allowing you to run the ball. They're daring you to run the ball, and you're not running it effectively. You're not running it enough." What is the state of uh, of the the running game for the Chiefs? Because I'll tell you, that's a weakness in the in the Raiders' defense. And I think the key there is you have to realize Andy Reid is going to be Andy Reid. He's never going to run the ball 50% of the time. And analysts are going to sit there and tell you that with the boxes they're showing, that right. he's supposed, he should be running the ball 50% of the time. Well, that's not Andy Reid. That's not right. going to be what Patrick Mahomes is going to do either. They have plays that they feel are close enough to a running play. You know, a throw out to the flats to a running back is a running play for them. Uh, you know, pitching the ball. How many times have we seen McCole Hardman and or Tyree Hill run in front of Patrick right. Mahomes on a shotgun snap and get a pitch that way? That's a running play, yet it goes down as a pass in the scorebook. So I think there's different ways that they can run the ball. Uh, the key there, though, is is take advantage of the boxes, make the safeties come up, and then you'll be able to take some shots downfield. But again, like I said, I do think that they need to make sure 
that they watch for those defensive ends because they can wreck the game. Yeah, no, they can. And they've done a good job of it so far this season for the silver and black. And uh, got one more question as far as the Chiefs offense goes. And then I'll flip over to the defensive side of things. McCole Hardman, he's a guy that I've talked to you about multiple times. I just like the the factor that he is, kind of the X factor that he can be. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot from him this season. What's the status of Hardman as far as how is he progressing in his NFL career? And is he is he becoming that X factor that I keep thinking he's going to be? He's not. And that's the problem. Mm. I think that... You look at what we were hoping McCole Hardman could be this season, and so far he hasn't turned out to be that guy. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game against the Packers, but there was a huge yeah. third down play. Uh, maybe in the third quarter, I think, that McCole Hardman got a ball that hit him right in the hands and he dropped it. And as an NFL wide receiver, you're going to have drops. I get it. But you can't have drops in that type of situation. If you want to have a drop, at least make it something where you're at least defended. He wasn't even defended on that. That's a right. you know That's a mental lapse. And, you know, you look at another play earlier in the game, I believe it was in the first quarter, maybe it was in the early second quarter, where McCole Hardman's running a deep route down the field and Mahomes unleashes the ball. And everybody's clamoring saying the ball should have gone to Travis Kelsey 20 yards down the field and it would have been in a first down and moved the chains. And they're right. But if you go back and watch the replay, you watch McCole Hardman run this route and he slows down at about the 30-yard line. And then he realizes, oh, wait, Mahomes might throw me the ball and speeds up again at the 25. You can't do that. Right. You cannot put your quarterback in that situation because he missed him by two yards. And if he would have been running the entire time, I'm not so sure that wouldn't have been a long touchdown. Right. The problem with Hartman at this point is he has like 300 yards, I believe, and one touchdown on uh, something like he has less than 73 yards in every single game so far this year. And that's total yards from scrimmage, I believe, in every game this year. And he just isn't making the plays that we've seen from him in the past. And he's still having the same mistakes that he's had in prior years. So that was part one of our conversation we had right there. Chris Clark talking all things Kansas City Chiefs. In segment number three, coming up next, we're going to continue to talk all things Kansas City Chiefs. Really going to take a deep dive into their defense. And so that'll come up in segment number three. Before we get to that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. And you know I've been telling you about Built Bar for a very long time. And if you haven't tried one by now, I don't really know what you're waiting for. You know, they're, they're called a protein bar, but it doesn't really taste like one. It's more like a, well, it tastes like a candy bar, but it's good for you. It's not chalky. It's not waxy. It's not dry, so it's not hard to swallow. They're soft. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And really, people are talking about it's more like an experience. You know, you'll enjoy it. You'll actually enjoy sitting down, having a snack, watching the game. And, well, again, it's, it's really good tasting. Low carbs, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, high in protein. Oh, all the healthy benefits, but a great tasting bar. And every three to four days in the month of November, they're going to roll out a limited time flavor. So check them out today, built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. When you do that, you're going to save 15% off your order. So I'm really hooking you up. I'm getting you a really good taste of protein bar. Plus, I'm saving you money at the same time. Built.com, promo code LOCK15. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. It's time to jump into part two 
of my conversation with Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs. This is the crossover edition. We do it each and every Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network and uh, love to have these editions. It really gives you a deep dive into the next opponent. So we talked all things offense in segment number two. So now it's time to turn our attention to the defense, the defense, and oh, by the way, more defense because that's been part of the conversation around the Kansas City Chiefs this year. The the defense just hasn't been there. So uh, to me, it looked like the defense started to turn the corner a little bit their last game against the Green Bay Packers. But you have to remember, Jordan Love was the quarterback at that time. So things are going to be different when it comes to that situation. So what was it about the defense? Were they starting to turn the corner? What are your thoughts on the defense? I'm trying to reserve judgment a little bit just because <laughs> you're not going to blitz Derek Carr on 52% of your drawbacks. Right. And they and that's what they did to Jordan Love. They blitzed him 52% of the time almost. And so I do think that the Chiefs defense has taken a step forward. Rashad Fenton is playing a lot better on as a corner. Shavarius Ward since coming back from injury is playing very well. Lajarius Sneed is playing well at corner. Uh, you finally don't have Daniel Sorensen on the field very much, so you have Juan Thornhill in – Tyron Matthew on the back end. My biggest thing that I really wish Kansas City would figure out and Steve Spagnuolo would figure out is put Anthony Hitchens at your you know strong side linebacker position. Don't put uh, Nick Bolton there. Put Bolton at middle linebacker where he showed he could make a huge difference. He went and won rookie of the month for October. And the second the Hitchens came back from injury, they put him right back at that position at middle linebacker. And I just cannot understand that. I think that's a problem. I think it's going to continue to be a problem because when Nick Bolton runs downhill, he's a lot better against the run in this defense. I think it's a lot better as well. No, no doubt, man. And the defense, again, is going to be something that obviously is going to be tested on Sunday night. And mm-hmm. one thing I, I noticed and, and I've kind of been in conversation about before is Frank Clark. I like Frank Clark a lot. I think he's a heck of a player. Now, I know he's got some off-the-field issues, but I think that, you know, he's, he's a heck of a player. He doesn't seem like he's – He's full throttle all the time with Kansas City, at least not this year. It seems like his, his motor's not running as hot as it, it normally does. Is there something going on with him, or is am I just watching the wrong games? Uh, I'm not going to say you are watching the wrong games, though. I will say I think the past couple of weeks we've seen the, we've seen the Frank Clark of old to some extent. Okay. I think you're starting to see what you saw early in the season as a guy that was dealing with a hamstring injury. Gotcha. He got a hamstring injury in the in training camp. Uh, took a couple weeks off, tried to come back, wasn't healthy, then injured the other hamstring, and I think he's finally healthy at this point. He's okay. now played, I believe, in the last two games, 80% of the snaps in both games, and that's phenomenal for a guy that is somebody that usually gets after the quarterback a lot. Yes, he's not getting home. He's getting pressure. He's not getting sacks, but the pressure is really what matters. Right. Sacks are great. Don't get me wrong. But if you can pressure a quarterback, sometimes that's all you need to be able to do. Uh, the rest of the Chiefs' defensive line, of course, uh, you know you've got you, you've got uh, Chris Jones. Obviously, he's he's that dude. Uh, how's he been doing? And uh, and how's the rest of the defensive line been doing? You know, I think you look at Chris Jones, and he's been playing defensive end for most of the season. I think uh, we also found out a couple weeks ago that he was dealing with a torn tendon in one of his hands uh, or his wrist, and I think that really you know affected his. Uh, effectiveness, I guess, would be the best way to put right. that. Uh, and I do think that if you look at Chris Jones going forward, I think he's going to continue to play more, more defensive tackle because Kansas City brought in a guy named Melvin Ingram right. who, looking at this past week, I think has shown that he still has the ability to get after the quarterback. If they can play Chris Jones a defensive tackle and have Ingram at least give them some pressure from defensive end as well as Frank Clark, and you have Chris Jones in the middle – 
I think that's going to start creating pressure, and that's really going to help this defense move forward. Want to wrap up with this. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, those are two guys that I always look for and expect the Raiders to to use in a, in a major way. And really, honestly, Darren Waller hasn't had a monster game since the first game of the season against the Ravens, but he's still there. You know, he's still a factor. So yep. uh, what is the plan? How do you think that the Chiefs attack those two guys in particular, Waller and Renfro? I think you have to double Waller. Uh, I, I like, don't get me wrong, I like what Renfro brings to the game. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. Uh, but I think Darren Waller is really going to be the key for this defense. If you can stop the tight end, if you can put, uh, you know, a linebacker or and a safety, or maybe even you put a corner, uh, considering it's Darren Waller and a safety over the top uh, to help on that, I think that you're in a much better position if you can shut him down. I think that the Chiefs have the corners to be able to lock up most of the other guys on the offense. I'm not going to say they can do it every single play, obviously. Right. But I think that they have a much better position. They're in a much better position to win if they can get double on Darren Waller and maybe every once in a while double on Renfro as well. Uh, Renfro, I think if he's playing in the slot like he usually has been, I think he's going to see a lot of luxurious need. And I do think that that could be uh, a very key matchup in this game. I'm very curious to see how that works out. Sneed has played very well at times. For Kansas City, and I hope that he continues that on Sunday. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Hunter Renfro is one of Derek Carr's go-to guys. Uh, third yeah. and Renfro is what they call him for a reason. Uh, comes up clutch most of the time uh, whenever Derek Carr really needs him. So that's why I kind of lump him in there. Like he's going to be a factor in a major way. And before I before I wrap this up and let you go, I did want to ask about your offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. He's a guy that's been you know rumored to be on the move as far as head coaching jobs for a while now, and still hasn't got that nod. Uh, do you think this offseason will be the offseason when? Eric Bieniemy finally gets that shot to become a head coach somewhere in the league. You know, I wonder, I have to say the past two years, I wonder how much the fact that he went to the Super Bowl has caught, kept him from getting a right. head coaching gig. Uh, right now, the way it looks with Kansas City, I don't think they're going in the Super Bowl, at least the way they've been playing <laughs> lately. So that might help. Uh, I do think he deserves to be a head coach. I think that he has deserved to be a head coach for the past several seasons. Uh, but with the way that the NFL works and with the hiring schedule, I just don't think that it's been realistic because uh, most of the time those coaches are getting picked before they have a chance uh, to even get to an AFC championship or NFC championship game. So I, I hope that he gets a head coaching job this offseason. I, I really think that in, it would be better for the NFL if they could get to a point where they say, OK, we're not going to actually even start the hiring process for head coaches until the week after the Super Bowl or yeah. the day after the Super Bowl, because then it's fair for everybody. I'd be okay with that. I really would. I think that that would be a, a good thing because, again, you're right. If you go to the Super Bowl, and then it's and you're asking a lot too, and uh, even if you give them the first like couple weeks or whatever to to be able to interview maybe on a Saturday, then they're taking away from what they're doing, you know, for that game. They're they're taking away time for planning. So, uh, yeah, if they just waited because they don't have to hire them right away. If they just waited till after the Super Bowl, like you said, even a day after the Super Bowl, that would be okay with me as well. Well, Chris, uh, I'm excited about the game on Sunday, man. The five and four Chiefs uh, headed to Vegas. Vegas, five and three Raiders uh, should be a heck of a matchup. Fans in the stands. I know Kansas City fans will travel. I know Raider Nation is going to be there. It should be electric, and uh, I'm looking forward to see how it shakes out. And then, oh, by the way, uh, we get to do it all over again. We get to talk about it again later on in the season as the Raiders will travel to Kansas City. So it uh, should be a lot of fun, man. I look forward to the game and uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey, man, I hope you enjoy it too, Q. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed this episode. And uh, I would love to say good luck to you on Sunday. I really probably wouldn't mean it. <laughs> But I do think that this could be a really good game, and I am excited because it looks like the AFC West has the opportunity to be a division that 
uh, we remember from you know the 90s when it was every single team in the AFC West was a challenge for everybody. So there it is. There it was. That's a done deal right there. That is the crossover edition. Chris Clark hosts the Locked On Chiefs right there, talking all things defense. And segment number two talked all things offense. So if you don't have a good understanding of who the Kansas City Chiefs are by now, well, you might just not understand who they are. But uh, they're obviously a really good team. They're 5-4. and four. They're tied with the Denver Broncos. The Raiders are 5-3, and three, tied with the Chargers atop the AFC West. So a heck of division. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this game shakes out. I cannot wait to get into Allegiant Stadium and see this thing firsthand with a bunch of fans, with a bunch of electricity in the stadium. It was not like that last year when it was dead silent and the Raiders found a way to lose that game in the end. What's going to be the outcome? Well, obviously we'll wait and find out on Sunday, but the week is not over. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have keys to the game. I'll give you my thoughts on how I think the Raiders could come away with the victory. I'll give you more news and notes of the day. There'll be Gus Bradley, Greg Greg Olson, some other players will meet with the media later on this afternoon. And, of course, uh, we'll have calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693. So that's going to do it for today's show. Again, have a happy Veterans Day. Uh, appreciate all the veterans out there. Also appreciate all the active military right now. Uh, everyone that has any kind of ties to the armed forces. Because, again, without you, there is no people like me doing what I want to do. You know what I mean? There just isn't. I mean, that you guys open up so many doors for so many of us each and every day to be able to live a comfortable, fun, uh, entertaining life and, and just make a lot of sacrifices. And we do appreciate that. I tell you all the time, we can never say thank you enough. But at the very least on, on today, on Veterans Day, I'm going to thank you and I'm going to salute you. So appreciate all the veterans out there and all the families of veterans out there as well. So we'll be back here tomorrow, closing out the week strong as we always do. Until then, Raider Nation, appreciate you. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.